like you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. If you do not have a Bible, please see me after the service and we will give you a Bible. It'll be your very own. You can mark it up. You can underline. You can bring it back and read it. And read it during the week, of course. And so, 1 Kings chapter 18. In this chapter, in 1 Kings 18, in the span of just one remarkable day, a man named Elijah experienced not just one, but three amazing demonstrations of God's power. In one remarkable day, it wasn't even 24 hours. I think this probably all happened within the span of 12 or 16 hours. One remarkable day. This man, tremendously used of God, Now, I I mentioned uh, uh, just a moment ago this person named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet or a spokesman for God. A prophet didn't just speak for God. He also called people back to God. And Elijah was a person in the Old Testament, really in almost a class by himself, who was used by God to repeatedly call the nation of Israel At this time in Jewish history, the Jewish people were divided into two nations. In the northern nation of Israel, God used Elijah to call those people back to him. You see the nation of Israel and its king. At this time, his name was Ahab, and and Ahab had a wife, Queen Jezebel, all of these persons, Ahab, Jezebel, and most of the people of Israel had given themselves over to the worship of idols. Now that's a very disturbing thing because these are the same people that God some generations before had delivered out of slavery in Egypt and all of the the stinking, filthy, wretched idol worship of that culture. God delivered them out, but they had gone full circle and they were back into that. They were a bunch of idol words. They were worshiping these false, non-existent gods. They, they turned their back on Jehovah God and were worshiping these foul, demonic, false gods. So again, on this one extraordinary, remarkable day, there were three amazing demonstrations of God's power on that day. The first was fire out of heaven. We actually studied that showdown a few weeks ago. If you were here, you perhaps remember it. If not, you can go back and listen to it or read it later. But, but it records here how fire came out of heaven. Pagan priests had, had prepared a sacrifice to their pagan gods and The Bible records here in chapter 18 how they called on those false gods for hours to do something. They they begged and they pleaded and the Bible says they cut themselves and and they did everything they could to get the attention of of these, these deities who did not exist 
to send fire out of heaven. And nothing happened, of course. How can anything happen? I mean, it's like praying to a wall. There's nothing there. Nothing happened. And then it records how Elijah stepped forward and he prepared a sacrifice and he cut up that, that, that sacrifice and placed it on the altar and then took a whole bunch of gallons and, and, and barrels of water and placed and made it, made it, virtu- made it completely unburnable. And then he prayed a brief prayer of faith and fire came out of heaven. Wouldn't that be something to see? Fire out of heaven (laughs) came down. It burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the altar. It left a smoking crater in the ground. That would be something to see. I would love to see. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I would love to see the expression on those 450 about to die false prophets, these pagan prophets, I would love to see the blank expressions on their face or raised eyebrows, singed eyebrows as their mouths are hanging open and their ears are ringing. Wouldn't you love to see that? The power of God. That was, that was this first miracle. The second demonstration of God's power happened later that day when Elijah prayed for rain. We also looked at this several weeks ago. You see, there had been a three-year drought, three years, no rain. Three years, like more than a thousand days of no rain. Now, when that happened, of course, then and now there was famine. Right? No food. You, you can't grow. There's no rain. You can grow nothing. And, and, and you're going to have a famine. And so people were dying. A, a, more than a thousand days of no rain. And, and yet God moved upon his heart. And Elijah, the Bible says, began to pray for rain. He, he actually prayed seven different periods of time on that one remarkable day. He prayed actually longer for rain out of heaven than he did for fire out of heaven. And that day, God did send rain. He, God ended the drought. He, he ended or averted another famine. It was, it, was, it was an extraordinary, remarkable day. The third demonstration of God's miraculous power is, is very brief, but it, it, it's there in chapter 18, verse, down in verse 46, where it says that Elijah, after the rain came or after it began to come, the, the Bible says uh, Elijah began running towards this one city, and it says that he outran the king's chariot. Now that takes some doing. So on this one remarkable day, on this one remarkable day, there were three demonstrations, three distinct demonstrations of God's power. Fire from heaven, rain from heaven, and the fastest man alive. It was an amazing day. And when that day ended, when that day ended, when that remarkable day closed down, I'm thinking Elijah must have felt pretty good. He must have felt good. To be front and center, to be literally at ground zero of what God was doing. To be front and center, to be a first-hand witness, and to be involved in amazing demonstrations of God's power. Now, you would think, you would think a man like that would be afraid of nothing. 
you would think that a man like that would be supremely confident of God's power. That nothing, I mean, when you, when you bring fire from heaven with a brief prayer, and you, see, and you see rain from heaven where it hadn't rained for over a thousand days, and when you're the fastest person alive and you know that it wasn't because of your athletic prowess, when all of that happens, you, you, you would think that person would be supremely confident of God's power. You would think that person could face anyone or anything. But in this case, you'd be wrong. Because in 1 Kings chapter 19, one chapter to the right, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, read this way. Now, King Ahab, right, the king of Israel, pagan king of Israel, told Queen Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword, 450 of them. So Jezebel, the queen, sent a messenger to Elijah and said this, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Here's essentially what she said. May, may the gods bring judgment upon me if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow just as you killed all of those prophets, practitioners of Baal worship. Now, now you, you look at this, you look at this statement, you see it there in your hands or before you, you see this statement, and, and I think, you know, it, 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 takes, it, takes some, it takes a lot of boldness to, to make vows to false gods that could, couldn't so much as light a match. These were the same, the, the, the gods to whom she's vowing, they were the same ones that those 450 dead practitioners of Baal called upon, screamed for, cut themselves to get the attention so that he would or they would send fire, and now she's making those kinds of vows. But, but the beginning of verse 3 is what I want you to see. It says this, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Do you see that? It's a very, very brief statement, but it's, it actually says a lot. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. The, the word afraid, the, 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 it means the word fear. He feared for his life, and he ran for his life. And when you see that response here in verse 3, and when you know what went before, and that's why we took the time this morning to review what just happened. When you see this response of this man and you know what went before it, what he did and why he did it seems so out of place. Again, here's this person who, who has just seen with a simple prayer, fire out of heaven, with a longer prayer, rain out of heaven, and God, he actually felt in his body the power of God to outrun a chariot he had just experienced this, but now this same person, it, it seems so out of place, so 
so contrary. And now he's running for his life. Some people um, look at this text and they explain Elijah's response as, uh, as like the emotional low that, that just naturally follows an emotional high. That, that having expended a tremendous amount of adrenaline, you know, running off a mountain or, or listening to these guys scream all day and, you know, ha- ha- having that expenditure of adrenaline and, and emotion and all of that, that it, it, he's just naturally going to bottom out. He's going to succumb to fear. That's why he did it and that's why he ran for his life because of this, this cycle that, 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 that he was on. But, but, but I look at this and I look at this man and I look at this, this ministry that he had and I think that there was something more. I, I don't think that we can simply look at this and just say, well, it's physiological that it, it, is, it is an emotional or, or physical response to an expenditure of energy and emotion. I, I believe that Elijah responded the way he did because he expected something different. Let me say that again. I, I believe that Elijah responded in, in large part the way that he did, that he, he was afraid and he ran for his life because he was expecting something completely different. Now remember, God's power had been displayed. There was this holy showdown between the, the one true God and these, and these foul, perverse, false gods, and, 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 and they were exposed for what they were, and the power of God was, 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 was also demonstrated, and, and God won <laughs> in, in, in remarkable fashion. God's power was displayed. Remember, God affirmed Elijah as his man. If anybody questioned Elijah before this day, they didn't question Elijah after that day because word got around. This is God's man. Don't mess with God's man. Any man that God can use and fire comes out of it, don't mess. God affirmed him. Remember that this nation was better because drought and famine were ended. That, that all happened on that one remarkable day. This man prayed and, and rain came from heaven and, and, and the future famine that was inevitably going to occur was averted. That happened. And both evil works and evil people had been eliminated these were causes for celebration. This was, this was a, a, an occasion for rejoicing. There should have been people dancing in the streets. They should have had a, they didn't have them back then, but something like a ticker tape parade. I don't know what they did back then, throw papyrus or something. Do something. This is a man who, who was greatly used of God. He, he should have been regarded as a national hero. He, he should have been regarded as, as the one that God used to relieve of us all of, uh, relieve us of all of this suffering. He should have been celebrated as mission accomplished, but it didn't happen that way. Instead, instead, Queen Jezebel ordered Elijah's execution within 24 hours. 
See, I, I think that, that one of the reasons why he responded the way he did is because he expected something different than what he got. It's not just an emotional high and an emotional low. He expected something different. It's not what he expected. It, it's almost as if he, he could have said, I, I do God's will and this is what I get. I do the godly thing and this is what I get. I do the honorable thing and this is what I get. I am used by God to see hundreds, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people's lives spared and this is what I get? A bounty on my head? An ultimatum that I'm going to die within 24 hours? For Elijah... And I think for our reasons this morning, for you, even more importantly, for you and for me, some of our hardest times will be when we expect something good, but instead we get something really, really bad. Again, some of our hardest times will be when we do the right thing when we do the godly thing, when we do the honorable thing, and we expect that we will receive thanks or gratitude, but instead we get the opposite. Elijah's faith, and he was a man who had great faith, right? Anybody who's going to do what he, anybody who goes against uh, goes into a situation where the odds are 450 to 1, that man has faith. Anyone who, who gets down on his knees and prays for rain when there hasn't been rain for a long time, and he keeps praying for rain even when nothing happens for a long period of time, for many hours, that man has faith. Anyone who can stand before a nation and call out and say, turn back to God or else, that person has faith. But his faith, his faith, we see it here, verse 3, right? Elijah was afraid and he, his, his, his faith gave way to his fear. And that fear is powerful. And the result is that he ran for his life. Elijah's faith gave way to fear, and verse 3 again says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. You ever do the right thing and someone threatens you? Don't shout it out, just answer in your mind. You ever do the godly thing? And all you get is grief. Have you, ever, have you ever followed God's plan? Revealed in his word, no question, this is God's plan. Instead of people applauding you, they push back against you. Hard. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever stepped out in faith and said, 
Lord, I don't know how, and I'm not exactly sure why, but I know what you've called me to do. And you do it. And it's good. And you're going, and all of a sudden, the enemy, sometimes through other people, sometimes through other circumstances, suddenly gets in your face and you suddenly realize my life is really hard right now. See, trusting in God and trusting in what we think God should do are sometimes two different things. Let me explain. It's one thing to say I trust in God and we expect him to operate in a certain way or we expect the results of godly choices to always be a certain way. But it's another thing to trust in God even when we don't understand what's happening and we get resistance and we get pushback and sometimes you get people attacking you. Trusting in God and trusting in what we think God should do are often two different things. There have been a number of times in my life where I thought God should do a certain thing. (laughs) Anyone else here ever think that? Like, you know, God, you're supposed to do this. And uh, I'm supposed to pray in this way, and if I do that, this will happen. Work for them. Or if I behave in a certain way, if I choose to do this and choose not to do this, and I'm obedient to your word and I'm sensitive to your Holy Spirit, then like, like perfect mathematics, and those of you who understand mathematics far more than I do, it's, it's, it's a wonderful, pure thing because it, 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 it comes out with the same equation, and we think that that's how it's supposed to be in, in our walk with God, that, that if I do this, and I do this, and I do this, it will equal this, and then when this doesn't happen, all of a sudden we can, our, our faith can give in to fear and we can run. See, there's this other factor, and that is God's plan may be different than your expectation. Now, let me be very clear. God is never going to go against his character. His character is very clear, and he's not going to go against his character. But I tell you, I will tell you this. There are some things that are going to happen to you and to me as followers of Jesus Christ where while he will not go against his character, he will surprise you with the outcome. but I trusted him, yes. And trusting him when we don't get the answer we want and how we respond to that, whether we hold on to our faith or we run, it'll be determined in that moment. In those dark moments, in those dark moments, When we do the right thing, when we do the godly thing, when we do the honorable thing, when we do the thing that he clearly directed us to do, and the results are not what we expected, we can at times question God's power, 
And we can even question his love for us. Don't, don't raise your hands, but have, have you ever thought when the outcome was less than what you expected or contrary to what you expected? Have you ever silently or maybe vocally said, Lord, do you still love me? Do you still care? Why is this happening? Why have you allowed this to happen in my life? We can be afraid. We can even run for our lives. I want you to look at verse 4. Verse, Elijah's, Elijah's continued reaction and his words are in verses 3 and 4. It reads this way. When Elijah came to Beersheba in Judah, it's a community, it's down south. When Eli- so he's a long way from Israel. He's gone to the south. When Elijah came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He left his servant in the city of Beersheba while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. Just pause there for a moment. I'm just going to add this. Um, Often when we feel as if God let us down, we isolate ourselves. I, I don't think I ever noticed that until I was studying this recently. But he, he left his servant. God gave him this servant and, and in other places. This servant was a tremendous encouragement. This is the same servant who kept going back and checking the horizon for, for rain. This is a servant who who'd, who'd stood with him in difficult times. Um, but it says he left him here, and it says he went a day's journey into the... He came to a broom tree. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I, and this, these are his words. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Now, you know, you look at this, and maybe you never picked up on this before if you're familiar with this text, but, but uh, uh, Elijah's not making sense. There, there's there's a, a, a degree of irrationality here. We'll say, well, what's wrong with going into, this is not a case of somebody saying, God, I've been wounded, I'm going to go and spend some time with you, and I want to be alone, just you and me and some scripture and, you know, a jug of water. <laughs> that, that's not the case here. He, he's, he's doing something irrational. He, 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 says, he, he says, I have had enough, Lord, Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. Now think about, think about the sequence here. Someone, Jezebel, someone threatens to kill him. So he ran in fear. He crawled under a tree and then asked God to end his life. Now, did, you, did you miss the, the incongruity? There? There's something wrong there. Hey, Elijah, if you really wanted to, to die, let Jezebel do it. She will, she will more than accommodate you. He fears for his life, so he runs, crawls under a tree, and then asks God to kill him. Doesn't make any sense. But when our faith gives way to fear, we too can think and we can do unreasonable things. When when those incredible disappointments or times in which we can't precisely trace the hand of God, 
Our faith can give way to fear and we can do irrational things. We can do things that just don't make any sense. There have been times where I have been working with someone, in some cases very close to me, and, and they're, they're doing something that just does not make sense. Why are you doing this? Because <coughs> when our faith wavers and fear reigns, we can do things that at any other time just would not make any sense. And this is where he was. Elijah said, I've had enough, Lord. Just take my life. Just take my life. I, I need to say this. I, I felt very strongly that I need to share this. I need to publicly state this. Someone here needs to hear this. Self-pity will often mark the person whose faith has been eroded by fear. Self-pity. And he's, he's, this, Elijah's feeling sorry for himself. I've had enough, Lord. I've had, I paraphrase, I've had all I can take. I'm not going to take any more. Just take my life. Self-pity. That focus on self, that's an identifier. I'm not, please understand, I am not dinging someone. I am not, I'm not hammering you. I am saying this, if self-pity is marking your life right now, it is a good indicator that your faith has given way to fear. In the end of verse 4, where he said, just take my life. The end of verse 4 marks the low point of Elijah, what I think is the low point of Elijah's life. Now, I don't know all of his life, but everything that we have recorded in Scripture, which is considerable, everything that we have recorded in Scripture, I believe that this is probably the lowest part point in, in Elijah's life. He's, uh, I, I don't want to say he's suicidal, but he wants the end to come. A number of years ago, a good friend of mine, a very strong believer, in fact, he's a fellow pastor. You wouldn't know him. Um, but he was sharing with me how he was going through a particularly difficult time in his life, in his ministry, and he was driving down a road, and, and he said, God, if, if you can just direct a semi to cross the center line and hit me, all of the pain will stop. If, if, if we can just end this, my life with you will, in, in heaven will begin and this horrible, horrible, difficult place in my life right now will end. I think that's where Elijah was. He was at a, at a point where he just said, I've had enough, and I just want my life to end. Again, if you were to graph his life, if you were to mark the highs and the lows of his life, I believe in the information that we're given the, on his life, I believe this is the absolute, the this, this end of verse 4, is the absolute lowest point of his life. And here's the thing. Elijah did not know what we know. You see, we know that while this is the arguably the lowest point in Elijah's life, we also 
know that in those dark moments, there were some amazing things ahead. You see, Elijah did not know at this point, end of verse 4, Elijah did not know that God was raising up another person who would, through God's power, accomplish even greater things. He didn't know that. He didn't know that within a very short time, God was going to identify a man named Elisha, similar sounding name, ministering to the same people, but in even a more remarkable, arguably a more remarkable way than even Elijah. God did not know, excuse me, Elijah did not know that God was raising that person up. This morning, there are perhaps some things that you are going through, and if we were to graph your life, put your life on a timeline, there may be some here this morning that you would say, I am in one of the lowest seasons of my life. I'm at a time where I, I, I would even welcome the end of my life to go to be with Jesus. Here's what you don't know. That God may be preparing you and shaping you and you will be a key person in someone else that God is raising up. They may be in your home right now. They may be little children in your They may be a grandchild. It may be a neighbor. It may be a coworker. It may be a fellow classmate. But there's someone in your life, even at this low point, that God is getting ready to raise them up and he's using you to do it. You don't know that. But it's going to happen. Elijah, end of verse 4, he says, well, just take my life. Take my life. Just take my life. Just take it now. Elijah did not know that he would never die. Elijah, Elijah did not know that he was going to be one of, the, one of the most select groups in all of history. He would be only one of two people, humans in the Bible, that would never experience death. See, later on, <clears throat> the Bible records that Elijah would be taken up into heaven through a whirlwind accompanied by a chariot of fire. (laughs) He's saying, God, just kill me now. He didn't know that God was going to do something eternal in him and that he would never taste death. There are some of you here, and you're thinking, man, it's all over. It's it's no good. There's no hope for me. It's as bad as it's ever going to get, and this is my lot in life. And what you don't know, now, Got some, got some news for you. You're not going to be like Elijah. <clears throat> you're going to get out of this world in one of two ways. You're either going to die or you're going to be among that, that precious group of people that happen to be living when Jesus returns. And then you're going to, but I'll tell you what, there are, you, don't expect, if you, see a, if you see a chariot of fire, it's because it's a chariot on fire. Don't, don't, don't think you're going up. 
But let me tell you, there are some things that God wants to do in you and through you that will last forever. That there are some things that he wants to use you and you are going to affect eternal, not just momentary, not just temporal, but eternal change in someone's life and what the ways in which you are used in shaping another person or or doing something for his kingdom, that is going to last forever. And it's beyond this day. It's beyond this season. Elijah did not know that centuries later, God would briefly, remember this is a guy who was taken to heaven without experiencing death. And Elijah did not know that in that moment, at the end of verse 4, when he's saying, God, just take my life. He did not know. He thought the best was behind him. He thought the best was, was all over with. He did not know that centuries later, God would briefly bring him back to earth to meet with Jesus at his transfiguration. You can read about it in the book of Mark. You go, that's that guy? Yeah, that's that guy. Yeah. You, you think that up on top of Mount Carmel with 450 pagan prophets. You think that was the high point of his life? Not even a clue. There was a point centuries later where he would stand with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was glorified. That was the high point of his life on earth. You see, some of you are right now at the end of verse 4. Some of you right now are thinking the best is behind me and there's nothing but darkness ahead. Some of you are looking and you're saying, I've failed or someone else has failed me. Something else has happened. Someone else let, my, let me down. My expectations were not fulfilled. In fact, to the contrary, I did the right thing and now I'm getting grief. And you're thinking to yourself, Lord, just, just take me now. And I'm telling you that God has some amazing things ahead of you if you look beyond this day. Let me me speak directly to anyone. I'm going to speak very directly to anyone who thinks you've had all you can take. Maybe you even said that this last week. I've I've had about all I can handle. Let me speak directly to you. Or let me speak directly to the person who thinks that you have no future, who may even think, who may even think that death is preferable to your present reality. And that is this, God is not done with you. God is not done with you. If, if, if that's you, then either now or just very surreptitiously in a few moments, just reach up and, and put your hand on that artery. And if you feel a pulse, then, then that, let that be a reminder. You still are alive. He still has a plan for you. And this is not the end. God is not done with you. Elijah thought, God, you're done with me. I've, I've experienced the best. I've experienced it all. I'm done. I've had enough. I've had all I can take. Just take me now. Kill me now. God had greater things ahead of him. God has greater things ahead of you. Some of God's greatest moments for you 
are still ahead of you. And it is the enemy of your soul, sometimes through fear, sometimes through self-pity, sometimes through self-deprecation. We put ourselves down. Sometimes it is the enemy who is speaking through another person, telling you it's all over with. But I'm telling you that some of God's greatest moments for you still lie before you. That there are some remarkable days with amazing victories in front of you. If you hear nothing else, please hear that today. That there are some remarkable days with some amazing victories in front of you. And now I need you to respond. Two things happening very quickly, very important. Do not check out. Do not in your minds or with your bodies check out. I need you to stay engaged just a few moments longer. Worship team, would you come? And the rest here, would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, through your word, through the life of a man named Elijah, you have spoken to us this day. And right now you are speaking very clearly, very directly to people who are wondering if, there are, if there's any good ahead, people who are wondering if all of the good is simply behind them. Lord Jesus, in these moments, I pray that you would do a miraculous, encouraging, perspective-changing alteration in our hearts and in our minds. I pray this in Jesus' name. I would like everyone, please, to stand with me. Would you stand up, please? Our worship team is going to do something. They're going to uh, lead us in a song that we sang earlier. You'll see the words on the screen. I want you to sing along it's a new song powerful song and uh, and so our time is going to be done right our time is going to be done here so if you need to go just go there won't be a formal closing beyond this but I'm going to ask you if you are that person or persons many there could, there could be many who are, who are just just need a supernatural touch from God that there's hope ahead and that there's victory ahead and that there's breakthroughs ahead and that 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 that, that there's that there's strength for the future if, if 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 that's you I really need you to do this I need you in just a moment as soon as we begin singing to step forward come to an altar prayer you may pray minutes you may pray hours I, I'm okay with either but I want you to do that I want you as a step of faith as a step of faith, and we, we've not covered all of Elijah's, there's a lot more to his story, but, but in a step of faith, I want you just to say, Lord, that's me, and I believe that God will meet you at these altars, and he will change, and he will give you hope for the future. So there's something beyond this thing, all right? 
Lord, I ask your blessing upon my brothers and sisters as they leave this place or as they come to a place of prayer. I thank you, Lord. Continue to use us and give us strength and hope for new days. Meet people here. Change lives, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Go in the presence of the Lord. Come to these altars. You tell mountains they must fall and they You tell oceans to be still and their calm. You tell sickness it must leave and it's gone. In my Oh,